This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Back of the Nest. Match Preview Podcast. www.backofthenest.com Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Back of the Nest Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Terence Ford, along with Albert Curley and Sam Heskiff. We were so desperately going to try and be amazingly positive. But then Colchester happened. We'll give a review of the Colchester game. We'll preview the Aston Villa game and everything else that comes along with the Back of the Nest Preview Podcast. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. Yes. Uh, <laughs> a great win at Old Trafford, which um, Sam Heskiff, you went on to the review show. For, was that your first time on there? Uh, it might have been my second. It might have been my second, but hopefully I did the preview team proud. How was it uh, on the other I, side of the curtain? Well, I insulted Albert a bit, so I think that's probably the best way to go, isn't it? Well, usually. Did, uh, I, Albert, you obviously heard the insult because you obviously listened to the review show. No, I didn't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna dignify it with a response. Uh, it was light-hearted preview podcast banter. Is all it was. Um, how are you doing, Albert? You just had some trouble getting your kids to bed. Yes, it's, it's not a euphemism. Yes, still going on, to be honest. In the, rumbling in the background, if you hear a crying child uh, picks up on my mic, don't worry, it's all in hand. And if he's crying at the end of the show, please don't call the social. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure everyone has the utmost faith in you as a parent, Albert. No. Yep. No, no aspersions. When are we doing beer check? Uh, we can do that. Uh, well, right now, I guess. What kind of beer do you like? Heineken. Fuck that shit. Pabst Blue Ribbon. Right, yes, I was really excited about beer check this week um, because I've been waiting for this beer in the fridge. But uh, we'll go with you first, Heskiff. Uh, I had Red Stripe with my dinner and I'm now drinking water. Rock and roll. Albert? Well, this is awkward, bearing your new jingle, which has knocked me sideways. I am drinking a Heineken. <laughs> wow. How did that, that wasn't even planned as well. No. Um, before this, uh, starting this podcast, I did an Aston Villa podcast, um, 
which is called the love of paul mcgrath podcast and uh neil from that will actually be joining us later in this podcast to talk about all things aston villa and um i was actually drinking in a heineken when i was doing that and that's why it sprung to mind um points to you if you know what movie that's from but i am drinking a beer from the howling hops brewery which is in um hackney wick in east london and um of course and it, it's a lager and it's um kolsch is the lager from clone uh but they've they've made a pun of that and i call it das kolsch with k-o-o-l-s-c-h like as in no cool uh, but it's lovely it's really good I highly recommend it. A bit it. too cool, some might say. Some might say, indeed. It's, well, you know, broaden your horizons. Stop drinking Heineken and get yourself some of that in. It's much, much better. Uh, right, we're going to have to start off on a relatively low note this week. Um, the saga between Berry and Bolton has been dragging on. Uh, at the time of recording, Bolton have uh, been rescued, it would appear. And... Um, their deal to buy the club has been confirmed, so it would appear that they are safe, although they will have a big old points, minus points tally total to turn over this season and have obviously lost every game they've played so far. So good luck to them as the season goes on. But of course, Berry at time of recording, uh, appear to be um, in the ground, as it were, as the AFL have decided to kick them, expel them from the league because they can't get someone to take them over. Now, obviously, we've... We've had our near brushes with death when it comes to Crystal Palace um, a couple of times in all our lifetimes on this podcast. And a lot of people who are listening would have been through both of those administrations. And I mean, Heskiff, I don't know how you'd respond to this, but the owner of Bury said, I never went to Bury. It's not a place I frequented. So for me to walk away from Bury and never go back is an easy thing to do. I don't do anything up there. I don't even know there was a football team called Berry. to be honest. I'm not a football fan. Um, Go back to 1998. If Mark Goldberg had said that and you saw him on the street, would you be able to restrain yourself? Definitely not. Um, The more I hear about this this Dale guy, the more more I hate him. It's not even my club. But also the more it sort of makes a mockery of the fit and proper person tests that the EFL apparently have for people trying to buy football clubs, you know, there's been a lot of chances The Italian bloke who owned Leeds and, you know, what's happened with Bolton as well. But for him to come out and say things like that, it, it's a wonder that he was able to buy the club at all. And now it's like you say, it's in, it's in the ground and a lot of people have lost, lost their football club in their community. Yeah. Well, hopefully the EFL will find it within them to, give a bit more of extension because now obviously as the stories gathered more pace three different consortiums have come forward and said they've got the money to buy it um so hopefully that will be able to get sorted out in the coming days um but you know it's this dow guy has just basically wanted to asset strip the club and um he wants his money back which is circa around two million of his own money that he says he's thrown into the club uh so Hopefully they can strike up some sort of deal because he needs to realise it's basically worth nothing. And with all these comments, he's proved it is worth nothing. So hopefully um, that will all get sorted out for those brave fans because as much as we love to have a moan about Crystal Palace, I, I couldn't even imagine what it would be like without having them here. And um, yeah, so good luck to all of those guys. Um, Albert, 
if you saw this Dow bloke on the street, how uh, would you greet him friendly? Well, no, would be the the short answer. I mean, the whole thing, the whole thing's obviously tragic and shocking, and you know we've been you know, too close to comfort, too close for comfort to that scenario ourselves. But those comments that you've just read out, like, what part of his brain thinks that that's what people want to hear? or that's going to make the situation in any, not that you can make it better, but that's going to make people, I said, wouldn't you just shut up and disappear knowing that all those things are true and you don't go to Barry, you don't spend time in Barry. So you're not going to, you're not going to walk around Barry and and see any comeuppance from it. Wouldn't you just, you know, tail between your legs, skulk away and just shut the fuck up. Mm. Well, you know, someone who apparently something like 80% of the businesses he started up and it's a lot, it's like in the thirties. Like 80% of them have been liquidated. Um, so how he ever passed that, passed that fit and proper test, I have no idea. And um, something needs to change. The EFL, they, they can't manage themselves. There needs to be some sort of independent regulator to sort these things out um, because otherwise it's going to happen more and more, um, especially if you get owners like him perhaps seeing that, you know, um, there's – a good real estate opportunity to be had in the land that the ground is on or something like that. You know, it's really worrying how these people can just pass these tests and get their hands on, you know, a club with such a big history, you know, one of the really, really early football clubs was Berry. So um, again, good luck to everyone there. And uh, you can head over to Twitter and look at, look up for save Berry and follow those guys there and give them any support that they may need. Um, also over on social media, Andros Townsend's been having a Barney with the Crystal Palace social media account this week. Um, a video was posted of Wilfred Zaha turning Ashley Young inside out. And um, he said they was making him dance. Wilfred Zaha was making him dance, to which Andros Townsend had responded, a 34-year-old ex-winger versus one of the league's best wingers. He gets destroyed twice yet still manages to block the cross. We should be applauding this, not making fun of it. Hashtag respect. Albert, um, obviously, you know, Ashley Young being an ex-Watford winger, this must have upset you, this tweet. (laughs) Very good. Very good. And obviously plays for my wife's team, so I've got double double love for Ashley Young. Uh, I get Andros's point. I find the whole, the, the new sort of, turn of banter that has I hate that word but that should we say the new style of communicating via social media certainly on Twitter that's the the change that has sort of come over that account in the last few weeks isn't something that I find amusing or particularly entertaining but it's not aimed at me I'm a 34 year old you know curmudgeonly palace fan it's not aimed at me um it's more aimed at more people like Heskiff who are more down with the kids um (laughs) But I kind of I get I get what Andros is saying, but at the same time, does it really matter? It is a little bit embarrassing that he, you know he has to point out that he still gets a he still doesn't it doesn't lead to a goal or you know let alone a worldie of a goal or anything like that. It is a bit clutching at straws. We beat Man United um, for the first time in decades and the first time in the Premier League. We we don't need to be singling out Ashley Young who came on as a substitute. Uh, we should just be enjoying it for what it was, especially in the short time that we had to enjoy that fixture before our next result, which, you know, I didn't, I, I can't see any sort of braggy, piss-takey tweets coming out of last night's fixture. So uh, maybe it's best just to enjoy it for what it is with a 
slight modicum of dignity. To be fair, though, whilst I do understand Andros's sentiment, Ashley Young's a c- <laughs> oh, wow. uh, I think that's a fine. Um, Hashtag respect. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Ashley Young is, you know, he's, he is what he is. He's cheated against us so many times down the years that it's kind of like, you know, yeah, whatever. But obviously, Andros Townsend doesn't know that. But I don't know. For me... Uh, I can see why some people would take it in that context of it's being disrespectful or whatever. But at the same time, you know, no, I didn't see anyone um, coming out and saying when they tweeted exactly the same thing when Andros, not Andros Tanzo, Wilfried Zaha ruined the Burnley players before he scored in the 3-1 victory up there last season. So a uh, bit of big club bias from Andros Townsend there, only coming to the defence of Man United players instead of Burnley players. So, um, Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting one. I know a lot of Palace fans was like, mm, "That's a bit weird, mate. Uh, you should be back in the club, whatever." And um, you know, then loads of Man United fans jumped on it and was bigging him up. So there you go. But uh, yeah, very very strange place on Twitter. Um, go on, Albert. Finish on it. Heskiff, just I just wondered if if you could at Andros Townsend and repeat what you just said about Ashley Young, and just see what he replies to that. <laughs> I'll think about it. Probably get blocked. Uh, Probably get blocked. Still get a block in. Two weeks running. We'll make that joke a theme. Uh, Mark Bright (laughs) took to social media to um, get everyone excited today by saying, got an announcement to make at 12.30. I believe everything is in place and the time is right. Uh, now albert in our whatsapp groups this got quite the um bit of suspense building didn't it i mean there was also i mean yeah not just not just on our whatsapp group you looked at the replies to his tweet and you know the sort of interactions on twitter and there was let's just say there were some very interesting uh suggestions for what it might have been but i don't think anybody saw this bombshell coming <laughs> well um at 12 30 mark bright did announce that he has a book coming out which i think is going to be released sometime in november uh perhaps we can get our hands on a pre-version of that and do some sort of um mini little preview of it uh but yeah um as you say there was quite the wonderful uh, the the biggest one, uh, if there was the bookies were taking odds, is a lot of people seem to think that Mark Bright might be coming out, um, and there is still suggestions that it might be happening in the book. So it'll be certainly a very, very interesting read when um, it does come out in November. Um, Bright, <laughs> slightly upset with the title of it, though. What was it called? You know, with an it's just called My Story, which is. Really bland, especially when you've got a surname like Bright. You know, there's there's opportunities there, isn't there? Any spring to mind? Well, you could have gone with... Uh, Brightside Mr. Bright, Bright, Mr. Brightside. Uh, Bright said Fred. Uh, one of my favourite suggestions was... <laughs> one of my favourite suggestions for what the announcement would be on Twitter was, <laughs> are you going to announce that you're running for the Brexit party? which is sort of more something I'd expect from Solarco, given his recent sort of political dabblings. But I thought if that was the case, he could have called his book, it will be all bright on the right. <laughs> but we were we were let down. He just went with my story, which, you know, there's still time to change it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not even going to say any. I, they're, they're all too obvious. Um, bright time, bright place. It even goes in with his announcement. Oh, I don't know, something like that. 
but <laughs> yeah that will as i say that will be out in november i believe you'll be able to get it in audiobook or hardback i think hardbacks around 20 quid or something so uh, i'm sure i do a book signing and on that as well matt jansen's got a book coming out and he'll be doing a signing at sellers park sometime in the near future as well so um, i know there's a lot of uh matt jansen fanboys out there so look out for those ones in the diary um unfortunately after this we're gonna have to talk about the exit from the league cup against colchester back of the nest match preview podcast www.backofthenest.com Heske, who cursed sellers park what's what's going on well according to our mate dan cooper it's me um because I tweeted after the game yesterday that after I'd made the brilliant decision not to go to Man United away and the even more brilliant decision to go to Colchester at home, uh, it was my choice in matches um, that was jinx in Palace. I've not seen this score. So I'm, I guess I'm going to have to take the blame. Yeah, um, I was with my dad at the Colchester game last night and... He was getting very uh, sort of anxious and edgy towards the end, you know, being like very not happy with how things were going, that we hadn't scored and stuff. And I was like, uh, you know, I feel sorry for you lot and never go to away games because you end up um, getting the brunt of all the Sellers Park stuff all the time. And it must seem way worse from there than it actually is, Hesketh. Well, I think the fact that, that, you know, the most entertaining thing that happened yesterday was your dad dropping his beer on the floor for absolutely no reason says a lot about the performance that we've been watching in the first half. Yeah, he's so, so bored he forgot to hold on to his beer. Um, which, uh, while we're on that bit of beer, it's the Palace Owl from the Homesdale. If Steve Browett, if you're listening, mate, or Neil Morrissey, whoever deals with that rubbish, stop. It just pours out froth all the time. There's obviously something wrong with the pipes. The beer might be too cold or something. Just sort it out because it takes about 15 minutes for them to pour half a pint of Palace Owl. So really get it sorted. Do your own beer check, guys. (laughs) Um, I went to the Clifton for the game yesterday to have a couple of drinks. And it was like, I put a thing on Twitter, it was like walking into Twilight Zone because gone are the sticky floors, the rank smell... Um, all all of the sort of dirt and grime that you expect from the Clifton, and it's being done up where it's quite a pleasant boozer. Yeah, and it was very disconcerting. I thought that from the picture. I thought it looked very um looked very cozy. I thought uh, when you said you was in the Clifton, I couldn't quite believe it. But there you go. Um, Camarasa uh, got his first start for Crystal Palace. Um, Heskiff, how did he look? Uh, I think he started off all right. Showed a few good touches and sort of. Push forward with the ball a bit, which is something that we've that we've needed. Um, periodically came deep to pick it up from the goalie as well. So started off fairly promising, but faded quite a bit, um, which is a shame because I really wanted, you know, him and Maya and, and players like that to put on a you know a great performance to get their confidence up and show that they should be around the first team for the league games. So. Um, yeah, not not a terrible debut, but not particularly remarkable. Yeah, it's very easy to be very quickly judgy on 90 minutes worth of football. And, you know, in the first half, he slid a, a beautiful pass in behind the defence, which put Benteke through one-on-one, but he just couldn't quite lift it over Ding Gherkin in goal. Uh, we'll, t- we'll get on to Ding Gherkin later. But um, good save from that. 
But it was just that kind of pass that we've been missing just hasn't really existed in the past few years at Palace. And I was when I saw that, I was starting to get very excited. But as the game went on, um, and he had an absolutely shocking first 10 minutes to the second half, did Camarasa, before then proceeding in every dead ball situation to just overhit the back post every single time. Um, I really worry now uh, where he's going to get a look in. Um, Roy Hodgson's going to take a look at that performance and apparently he was a bit irate in the change room after and he's going to take a look at that performance in Camarasa and I don't think he's going to get anywhere near the first team for quite some time based on what I, based on what I saw there because he just faded from the game and in the moments he was in the game he gave the ball away a lot so um, again it's, it's hard you don't want to be judgy of just 90 minutes worth of football but I feel like that's how Roy Hodgson is he has his players that he trusts and at this point, based on that performance, I think Camarasa's really, really going to struggle. And on top of that, I don't... In in Roy Hodgson's system, it's only really Luka Milivojevic's role that he could possibly play. He looks a lot better when he was dropping deeper. But can you see Hodgson dropping Luka? I don't see it, if I'm honest. But there you go. Um, Hodgson, after the game, said he felt sorry for Sam Woods and Jairo Riedewald having to play fullback. Now, Albert, Jairo Riedewald has played fullback in a Europa League final, so you shouldn't have to feel that sorry for him, should he? No, but that was in a Europa League final, not on a on a Tuesday night against Colchester in the uh, Timpot Cup. Uh, Timpot Cup. Um, I mean, yeah, all right. He's he's had to fill in a, a role that is not his natural position, but. I'm not. This is no disrespect. I mean, I can't disrespect Colchester because they knocked us out. But you know, a a up until recently, Europa League finalist Ajax, we're going to call it youth prodigy, whatever, should should be able to still do a half decent job in a position that's not necessarily his uh, preferred choice. Um, so it's nice that Roy's got sympathy for him, but I think. The sympathy needs to go to the people that turned up and paid to watch it, uh, of which I am not one. Full, di- you know, full disclosure. Uh, you know, there's 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 more people I'd get the violin out for over Gyro Riederville. Sam Woods, I can understand. Yeah, Sam Woods are very very unlucky not to score again. Gherkin made a fantastic save from him after Ben Sakhead held the ball up in the penalty area and laid it off to Woods. Um, would have been really nice for him to score on his full debut, but alas, it wouldn't happen. Um, even with his big superhero mask on that he was wearing. Um, talking to Ben Teke, he also hit the crossbar. Um, will he ever score again, Haskiff? Oh, probably not. <laughs> to be honest, I thought that that shot because it was up, it was up at the White Horse end, and we were we were in the Homesdale. I thought it had gone in, and that he wasn't celebrating because it's you know a League Cup game against a fourth division team. But then when they played on, I realised he wasn't celebrating because hadn't gone in. It was very close to the line. I've seen the replay back and I don't know, it would have been interesting if the watch was on to see what that would have said because people apparently in the Whitehall seemed to think it was in. So it was on the TV, they just literally showed it once, flashed it up and it, it looked like it was at least on the line at the very least. But um, I know um, the game uh, obviously went to penalties. Um, Andros Townsend missed the first one. And he looks very, he looks very, very frustrated with himself at missing it. He's he's had the Barney with a social media team. Uh, do you think Albert there might be something wrong with Townsend in the background, or you just it's his usual slow start to the season? Yeah, I don't think there's anything anything sinister or off at the moment. He's yeah, he's clearly um, 
not in his peak peak form at the moment. And hey, look, people miss penalties. It happens. Um, not nice. Um, I don't think the social media things have anything to do with it. But yeah, listen, people have off days and people miss penalties. Facts of football. So the Palace penalty scorers on the nights were Jordan Ayew, Christian Benteke, Kamarasa, and of course, Will Zaha. Heskiff, were you surprised to see Zaha step up, uh, take that fifth penalty? I think it's the first time we've ever seen him take a dead ball. Yeah, I was surprised. I thought he'd miss as well, funnily enough. Um, That's the faith that I've got in my favourite footballer of all time. Um, I thought, yeah, I didn't think he'd take one. I thought maybe like Cahill would step up and like smash it or something, but... Um, our penalties are all right other than Andros's I thought not bad and um, of course I said we'd touch on Dean Gherkin now um, at the start of the game I didn't look at the lineup for Colchester and um, I was saying to my dad oh do you remember the last time we played Colchester and we were singing at Dean Gherkin you're just a shit in a burger (laughs) (laughs) and um, he uh, when he was in front of front of us I was like does that say Gherkin on it? No, it can't be Dink Gherkin. It can't be. He must have retired by now or something. But no, it turns out it's the same guy. He went away, come back again and um, saved the penalty that won him the game, Albert. Yeah, he put us in a right pickle, didn't he? Right. Anyway, I think that's enough talking about that. Obviously, it's everyone knows my views on a cup competition. I want to win a cup. I would love us to see us win a cup and get to Europe. But Alas, it's not going to happen in the Carabao Cup for another season at least. And under Roy Hodgson, you wonder if a cup competition run is ever on the cards at all. So until next August, when another set of bin men beat us. There are 99 reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proud and Palace. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, it's now time for us to preview the Aston Villa game. And this week, we're doing things a little bit differently. And uh, Albert Heskiff, we are joined by Neil from the Love of Paul McGrath podcast. Welcome, Neil. Thanks for joining us. Hello, everybody. And uh, very, very happy welcome here from Ireland, as you may, may be able to tell. My, uh, I, I, my Irish accent is quite strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so why Aston Villa? Why not? As you could probably tell uh, from the the podcast name that I have, uh, Paul McGrath was obviously like he walks on water here in Ireland and he walks on water in Birmingham as well. And uh, I, my fandom kind of coincided with uh, discovering uh, football. I suppose I was maybe about five, five, six. I think I was pretty young and, and, and there was an Irish football game on and Paul McGrath 
uh, obviously jumped off the screen because number one, he was such a good defender, and uh, and 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 um, you know, I suppose number two, he was just so so kind of uh, uncharacteristic, I suppose, in the screen for that time within Ireland, and I just absolutely fell in love with him straight away, and I was consistently asking my my father about questions about him, and and that's where it came from. Basically, I started supporting Aston Villa for the love of Paul McGrath, so that's where the name of the podcast comes from. Lovely stuff. Great defender. I remember him a lot from my childhood and um, also someone who never needed to train. Apparently he was um, so injured all the time that they didn't bother training him. He was so good. Just go out there for 90 minutes on a Saturday and, you know, not concede goals. That was pretty much Paul McGrath as I remember him. Right. um, The natural point to start this season is a lot of comparisons have been drawn to uh, Ewan Fulham from last season. Obviously Fulham came up spent a lot and lots of money and uh, went straight back down. Um, I was on BT Sport before the Fulham game last season. And then when they asked me to predict the score, I said, <laughs> and I love looking back on it, I said it'll be 2-0 to Palace and um, it's going to be a very, very harsh Premier League lesson for them. But um, it hasn't happened for that you guys this season. Obviously, you picked up that fantastic result against Everton. So are you full of Mark II or not? It's hard to say, I suppose, this this time of the year. It's a real kind of riling statement for us Aston Villa fans. I think any, any of us that hear us, we go red with anger because we obviously don't feel like we are, we are a Fulham team. Our, our Fulham comparison is quite fair considering the fact that some of the players we've brought in, if not all of the players we brought in, have, have got links to each other, either have links to Dean Smith or actually played with the club last year. So we've actually converted an awful lot of loans into, into full-time signings such as Anwar Al-Ghazi, Tyrone Mings, I think two of the two of, uh, of the more high-profile signings that we would have had. Also, you know, we've brought in um, Wesley, the twenty-two million pound striker from um, from Belgium, and his former club mate as well, Bjorn Engels, who who I really, really love at, at, at centre half as well. Is really he's got a really, really good partnership already with with Tyrone Mings. So just kind of touching on the Fulham aspect, I, I kind of it's a I kind of think it's a bit of a media reach from the point of view of spending lots of money that. Um, it's that that's really the only comparison there there doesn't seem to be any other comparison as as such uh for between Aston Villa and Fulham because if you look at it Aston Villa did their work very early in the transfer window and we had quite a lot of players in three four weeks before the actual the season started whereas Fulham kind of had a scattergun approach and if memory serves me right signed five if not six players on transfer deadline day and therein kind of lies the difference whereby you've got some sort of a pre-season mingling or, or, or gelling of the team already has happened, um, whereas Fulham didn't exactly give themselves time to do that. And I think that's some of the pundits' um, overarching kind of views is, will the team gel? Because Fulham's team didn't gel doesn't mean that Aston Villa's team won't gel as well. Yeah, no, you definitely approached it in the right fashion. Um, Fulham was very akin to what we did in our first season in the Premier League. And um, we ended up signing too many players. We actually had 26 come the end of the um, <laughs> the window closing. And poor old Florian Marange from France couldn't get into the squad and ended up going back to France in the January um, 
not a very very happy man as you can imagine we weren't even sure if we gave him a tracksuit or not <laughs> it was um it was that bad for the poor bloke but um yeah as you say you got your business done early you've kept the core of the team that got promoted and those are all the things that will serve you well because you know Palace in our first season back in the Premier League it was we ended the season basically with the eight seven eight of the team that got us promoted and that's where all the spirit was so um yeah, it's it is it's a lazy comparison for sure, and um, but it's the one that we wanted a Villa fan to answer for us. Uh, Heskiff, this against May United, we set up four five one. It was a change away from the four four two that we've been playing a lot in recent weeks. Um, do you think it'll be a move back to the four four two? And um, well, let's face it, a formation that's seen us struggle to break teams down at home. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, we saw it yesterday against Colchester and. With no disrespect at all intended, you know, if we, if that formation fails to break down a defence from mid-table in League Two, then I'm I'm not super confident it's going to do anything in the Premier League. Um, I mentioned on the review show about the Man United game that, you know, it helps us to play against a team that have a lot of the ball because we're very well drilled and we know what we're doing. We keep our shape well and we we attack with pace in that in those situations whereas at home when we've got a lot more of the ball we don't really have any invention and we don't really know what to do with it and I think it it suits teams I'm sure it would suit Villa um you know to let us have the ball for a bit because we don't really have any cutting edge and much as we all have seen over the last sort of season and a half under Roy that this formation doesn't really benefit us at home he still sticks with it. So I, I absolutely wouldn't be surprised if he went back to the four four two for the home game uh, on Saturday. Uh, Neil, um, watching Fulham against uh, Everton, not Fulham, sorry. <laughs> it's so in my head to talk about Fulham. Uh, so watching Villa against Everton uh, on Friday nights, um, it looks more kind of a four five one off the ball and a four four two um in possession. Exactly, yeah. That's that was kind of uncharacteristic of Dean Smith, especially for all of last year and how we how we started off the Premier League. But that's exactly how it how it tended to play out. We absolutely played four five one. Trezeguet, who would be more known for, for playing for Further forward, um, he played. He tucked it. I was definitely uh, almost even a wing back at some stages. You know, he was back. He did an awful lot of work, and as was Hata, who was probably our player of the game, um, outside of Wesley on on last Friday, um, for Villa. But yes, it's definitely a four five one transitioning into a four four two with Trezeguet joining uh, Wesley up top. But usually that that would be a kind of a change attack from from um, Dean Smith, who would normally be a four three three guy and play a uh, one holding midfielder with John McGinn and and uh, Graylish, uh, given basically carte blanche to to get around the field as best they can. So it'll be interesting to see what he does this this week. I think he played that 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 formation the four five one because he wanted to set a base because of the the. Bournemouth game previously whereby the first 12 minutes were just a debacle because of um, individual errors and mistakes and so on. So I want to, I think he wanted to stifle the game uh, to to start and then maybe become a small bit more fluid as they grew into it, especially at home with a home crowd who really, really needed a home win in the Premier League. Now, Albert, this might sound very confusing, what Neil was saying, because he appears to be talking about a manager that does some scouting on the opposition and then he picks his team accordingly. I just I don't believe that's something that exists because we, we don't seem to do it. 
Yeah, so one of the problems he might be forced into a change this weekend because the suggestion he said was that Patrick van Arnholt and Joel Ward were not available for the Colchester game. So do you do you think, Albert, that that's just because he didn't want to say he was playing a weaker team as he was and was saying it was forced upon him? Or do you think that genuine doubts for the weekend? I don't know. To be, I mean, Joel Ward got a, got a smack in the mouth, didn't he, at United, but, you know, carried on and finished the game. But... PVA, well, we know he finished the game because he scored the winner at the, in the dying moment. So, again, unless unless there are, there has been a reaction somewhere physically to on either of those players and they're not available, then yeah, maybe they are a risk for the weekend. But it seems a bit strange. Um, so I'd expect to see, I'd certainly expect to see PVA because he seemed to come out pretty much unscathed. Yeah, yeah, Joel Ward might have found out that he has got a broken nose or whatever and and, and needs a week off, but. Um, Either way, it's um, it's pretty damning that you know we're we're down to the bare bones in a position where we you know we should have strengthened in the summer. You know we know that we're light certainly at the right back position. Um, you know if, if PVA's out, we can put Schlupp there at least for a game, or even Martin Kelly. Um, not that I'd want to see that, or maybe Joel. If Joel Ward's fit, he goes to the left, and Martin Kelly goes to the right. And in fact, I'm I'm selling it to myself now. We've got so much fluidity at the back. I'm all for it. <laughs> it's like watching Brazil. Neil, what you got for us? Yeah, it was just interesting there that you mentioned about a manager that was devoid of tactical nous and without sticking the boot in. And Steve Bruce, previous to um, previous to, to to I suppose last year's. Um, championship season we would have very much have had kind of the same situation that you guys would find yourselves in whereby you were getting results under a manager who was very very rigid with their tactical style but then it kind of comes to a situation whereby those results stop so what I'm referring to here is Villa in the, in the championship and um, we played it we got uh, we went on a run and we got to the champ- uh, to the playoff final against against Fulham and we lost and everybody was like, yes, we want to give Steve Bruce a chance, even though we were devoid of tactics as such. And we, it was very rigid. And um, then into the next season, the tide started to turn. And it really was, as you mentioned, a, a kind of a complete change attack. New owners came into the club and they wanted somebody with a bit more creative impetus and a coach as opposed to a manager as such. So um, there is a lot of parallels to what you mentioned there between Roy Hodgson and, and his rigid approach to what we would have seen under um, under under Steve Bruce as well, especially with the results you guys got to the back end of last season. Yeah, well, um, Roy Hodgson results stay ebb and flow, really, um, and a lot of it, a lot of us are just talking to kind of treading water in that sense. Uh, we'll go through periods of long unbeaten runs, and then we'll lose a few in a row, and then long unbeaten runs again. I guess it's, you know, with all the stats that have been coming out recently showing that, you know, in 2019 with third most points in the Premier League, it's uh, it seems unusual that we should all be a little bit frustrated and angry with how we are in the sense. But, um, you know, that's going to happen when your home form is the way our home form is and not scoring any goals at home. And Heskiff, it's, it looks like after Old Trafford, it's going to be really difficult to drop um, Jordan Ayew, uh, another Aston Villa connection there. Um, after his performance at Old Trafford, he's, he's got to be one of the first names on the team sheet, surely. 100%, yeah. Uh, I don't think any of us thought we'd be saying that this time last year, that he would be our number one striker with, without much uh, debate. Um, but I thought, especially in the first half against Man United, his performance was absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, not only did he have that really good finish from uh, for the goal, 
but he, his hold up play was very good. There were times when he had two or three men on him, uh, and he, you know, he, he kept them at bay. The sort of the sort of thing you see when Wilf's got the ball. Um, he was running, running the line really well, keeping keeping their defence um, busy the whole the whole game. So, I mean, it would be madness not to start him. Um, he was man of the match against Everton, wasn't he? And we 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 then dropped him against Sheffield United, which I thought might happen. But I think now, I'd be very surprised if if Benteke starts over IU against uh, against Villa. Yeah, with um, IU probably being the one to start, Albert, and Zaha, you know, likely to be up alongside him in a four-four-two at home. Um, do you think that will give a slight change to the way we've been playing recently with having Ben Teke as the focal point? Do you think that will give us a, a little bit more, you know, creativity at the top end of the field? Uh, it may well give us um, creativity at the top end of the field, but you're almost suggesting that when Ben Teke plays, we play to his strengths. So we don't cross the ball in for Christian Ben Teke when he's on the pitch. We won't do it for Ayu and Zaha. So in Technically, is that no? We're not going to change the way we play. Um, I, for one, want to see Benteke start because so desperate am I for him to score a goal and for us to get a win at home that surely the curse of playing against your former club has to kick in for somebody else that isn't us. <laughs> well, it can, well, I'd say it could happen with Jordan Ayew. It can happen with Christian Benteke. So um, probably chuck them both up front and we'll win 4-0, no problems. <laughs> um, now, Neil, obviously you talking about uh, Wesley has joined um, Villa in the off-season and he's a Benteke mark two, if you will. Very, very big man up top. And um, again, one of the things that I noticed in the in the Everton game was him peeling off onto the fullbacks with the um, centre backs hitting long diagonals to him, uh, the demo diag as we call it in the Crystal Palace land. Um, do you think that'll be another tactic that'll be employed at Sellers Park on Saturday? Potentially. Um, just before I answer that, is the demo diag is that to do with Damien Delaney by any chance? It's- it certainly is. <laughs> Not an Irish connection there, yeah, Damien Delaney. <laughs> Interesting. But uh, with regards to Wesley, um, I think uh, uh, when Wesley came, first came into the league, he he would have been very much, uh, I think, he, he's raw, he's still raw around the edges. And I think what he thought in his own mind was he has to be superbly physical and just look for contact all the time. And maybe the penny dropped against Everton. Um, which was strange against two of the more physical centre halves. He he's tended to kind of give it a bit of a break and was more kind of just relying on his hold-up play and getting the ball to his feet first before he did anything. But to answer the question, his goal did come from um, from uh, a, bra- a kind of build-up play down the right-hand side and Hata kind of played... Uh, it was a diagonal ball, but it was on the. It was kind of down the side of of the two centre halves. Um, Villa do play quite a lot of diagonal balls across the field, especially with Tyrone Mings, who is without a shadow of a doubt our best signing of of the season. Um, he's got a very very cultured left foot, and he can really launch an attack, even even if it is through the air. So I think we'll see we'll see a mixture of that. I think I don't think we're going to see Hata in the game. Well, sorry, we will see him in the game, but I, I would be surprised if he didn't start. Um, alluding to the fact that you you guys were mentioning about your 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 uh, fullbacks, I think potentially what Villa might try to do is might get a might try to get a run in them with, with Trezeguet and maybe start El Ghazi and uh, maybe try and run at your fullbacks more so in 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 this game. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's always a good option to have with with Wesley because his hold up play is so good to be able to play the long diagonal ball, and he is good with his feet as well as most Brazilians are. So, um, be interesting to see what tactics they do employ when when they do play Everton at the weekend. 
Uh, right, lovely stuff. So um, we normally end on predictions here. Now <laughs> we uh, predicted three wins between us for the Sheffield United game, three defeats for the United game, and we know what happens. So um, Heskiff and Albert, I expect nothing less. So Albert, start with you. One or <laughs> Heskiff? Um, well, once again, Albert has stolen my prediction, so I'll, I'll change it. I reckon one nil Villa. Oh, now you're stealing my prediction, which is 1-0 Villa. Uh, we can separate it by goal score. I've, I'm, I'm going for a bit of a Dracarilish curler from the edge of the penalty area. I can see it now already. Uh, and Neil, what about yourself? Uh, I think it's going to be 1-0. I just don't know who it's going to be. To um, You guys have convinced... Uh, I won't say convinced me, but you guys have given me hope with regards to, to, to um, maybe the full-back position or the full-back situation that you guys are in at the moment that maybe Villa might be able to nick it. So I'm going to go 1-0 Villa. Um, I don't know who's going to score. I pro- I'm actually... I'm going to go with Freddie Gilbert or right back because he's such a fan favourite at the moment. Have a look out for him on Saturday. He's, he's the definition of marauding tough tackling uh, full back he's like um, yeah just have a look look for him it'll certainly uh, be a fun battle between him and Zaha then go on Albert what do you want to finish on just steady just before um, Neil goes I just wanted to check obviously big fan of Paul McGrath I just wanted to check what is Neil's favourite track of Paul McGrath's acclaimed album Handle With Care if if he's got any highlights (laughs) I actually own it (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) <laughs> a favorite they're all brilliant they're all absolutely unbelievable this should it should have made number one in ireland i think it did break into the charts in ireland but i couldn't tell you where it charted but uh um if villa if villa win at the weekend i'll come back on for the review show afterwards and i'll, I'll find one of his best songs and i'll sing it for you guys <laughs> let's just hope the score's not 74 75 because that would be too apt <laughs> uh we'll all laugh and pretend that we have a clue what you're talking about samantha producer i expect a paul mcgrath song to be linked right here i think i'm going back to the things i learned so well in my youth i think i'm returning All those days when I was young enough to know the truth. Okay, right, that's it. Brilliant. Thank you so much for that, Neil. Um, All the best, guys. Okay, that's almost your lot for this week. Um, Thank you to Neil from the Paul McGrath podcast there. Um, Lovely, insightful stuff from him and good luck with your venture. New podcast this season. Um, Heskiff, um, Villa at home. Um, you'll be there, of course. Uh, are you dreading it, or is it going to be, you know, clean slate, back on the back on the horse, as it were, back on the piss, <laughs> back back in the Clifton Arms? Now you know what it looks like. Um, they've got their own. I think this is why I mentioned it earlier. They've got their own ale now, apparently. Clifton ale. Ale. I didn't drink it. Who's it brewed by? The bloke sat at the end of the bar. I've got no idea. They, Miserable Dave said it was all right, which is glowing by his terms. <laughs> yeah, I think um, you need to find those details out for me and then maybe I'll venture off to the Clifton for a beer um, uh, next home game. Um, Albert, will you be um, heading over to the Coliseum? Not my turn this week, I'm afraid, mate. 
Um, by just just for clarity, I meant Sellers Park, not Vicarage Road. Oh, well, that, mate, they're not having much better luck than House Arda at the moment. <laughs> Even if I wanted to go. Well, I mean, they're away at Newcastle this weekend, and if they lose that, you know, they have not played anyone in their first four games, and to be four four defeats would be something quite special. Um, yeah, I was talking to my Newcastle mate earlier at work, and he actually was. Um, saying he feels bad about moaning about Mike Ashley after uh, what's happened with Bolton and Berry this week. So he's clearly losing his head. <laughs> um, right, so listen out for the review show on Sunday. Um, you, you're not going over there again this weekend, are you, Haskiff? Nah. 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 nah what, what, one a season and out. <laughs> and, um, yep, please head over to iTunes, leave some reviews for us. I... I read them all the other day. I was having a having a good old laugh with them. So please go over there, five stars on iTunes, and um, let us know what you think about the podcast. And we will be back after, is it the international break after this? After Villa? Yeah. I think it is, isn't it? So international break. Um, I'm, I'm off to Berlin for the weekend. So come back in two weeks' time where we will be building you up to... Uh, uh, Spurs away. There you go. Uh, we'll add Spurs to the list of the last team to win at their stadium, which currently sits at Liverpool, Man City, Man United and Arsenal. Until two weeks' time, up the Palace. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.